Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking erupting equity, apprenticeships that pay, and scammy savings. That's right, man. This is a Friday flight episode. And by the way, those are only three of the different stories that we're going to cover uh, during this episode. We've got and so much more. We've got plenty more to get to during this episode. But first, we are actually going to discuss this feature, this uh, specifically, it's a widget that was brought to our attention by listener Mike. So he was listening to our credit cards episode. This is just a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about the need for credit cards to somehow keep their customers more informed as to what their what their running totals are, what their current balances are. Although but we said that's not necessarily the goal of the credit card companies, but, but wouldn't it be nice that's for not what consumers. they want to yeah. do. But guess what? Apple, uh, so Apple has a credit card and they've got this sweet widget uh, that allows you to monitor your balance on your home screen on your stinking iPhone. That's cool. This is something that we were not even aware of, but Mike pointed it out. And because obviously that's one of the downsides of credit cards, right? Is the fact that if you aren't checking your balance every day and most people aren't, you have the chance of overspending essentially. Like you're going to get to the end of the billing cycle. It's not going to be until you get your statement that you realize, oh crap, we actually went over budget. We 
because we weren't keeping up mm-hmm. with uh, how we're spending. So I think this has the potential to curb the amount of overspending that folks might be tempted into doing. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I'm glad that Apple launched something like that for their card because it, we want people to kind of feel the pain of their spending. And some people just naturally do. They're naturally frugal. And so every I'm, I'm kind of one of those people. Anytime I spend money or my wife's like, hey, we're going to get this thing. And I'm like, do we really need it though? I'm like kind of panicking just a little bit. <laughs> and Until it comes to your spending and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We- yeah. afford it. Yeah, well, I need it, though. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so, it, but it's one of those things where it's having it front and center in front of you and coming face to face with how just how much money you owe to the credit card company will likely reduce how much you spend. So I think it's like one of those behavioral things that's going to yeah, help a lot of people out. Well, and especially given how often we check our phones, yeah. right? And so this is literally a widget. Uh, it's an app that you install on your phone and it's on your home screen and it shows you how much you've spent you can like do like a week view or a month view, but it shows you how much you spent even on individual days. Nice. Just in this nice little cool little graphic. So yeah, I well, think it's an awesome tool. And one of the cool things actually about the Apple Card, they they give you two percent cash back when you use use it with Apple Pay. So and Apple Pay is accepted almost everywhere now. So yeah, double click that home button. Yeah, you still get the two percent, which That's is pretty cool. A great sort of catch all card. So I don't know if you saw this too, but I think Capital One they are are actually about to, or maybe they already have released their own version of the widget as well. Oh really? Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Great. So it's, it's if more cards are going to be jumping on this bandwagon, this is something that we can totally get behind for sure. And I'm glad to see somebody like Apple. I guess in this case, setting the example as to maybe how some of these. Uh, banks should be treating their customers. Yeah. Um, the non-bank, like, treating the banks that act. Well, <laughs> it's, honestly, I think it takes a company like Apple sometimes to enter into it. I mean, just think about Tesla, right? Yeah. Like you get a company who is an, a quote unquote outsider and they enter into a new industry, like a new space. And all of a sudden, everybody else, all the old players, they have to adapt. Yeah. That, it's and that I think we're going to see that. Disruption, uh, I think, mentality yeah. that, that does. Yeah. It upsets the Apple cart. It changes the way other people do business too. The and Apple cart. Yeah. So big. Th- <laughs> <laughs> nice. So big thanks to listener Mike for letting us know that. Yeah. That's cool and definitely a good heads up for other Apple Card users out there. But Matt, let's get on to the Friday flight. It's a quick sampling of stories we found interesting this week in the realm of personal finance. There's a lot to cover today. And over the past decade, apparently, the number of registered apprenticeships has risen by 64%. I saw that stat and I was like, just did a little like fist pump in the air. I was like, woohoo, this is great. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's according to the latest data from the U.S. Department of Labor. And basically, apprenticeships are becoming a more utilized alternative to just a traditional college education. And this is really just a great thing. And it's something that you and I have championed for for years. We've had, I remember oh, yeah. our episode with Ken Rusk about blue collar work. And there's a dearth of people willing to consider this option. We've pushed everybody so hard into the colleges for everyone path. And, but that's just not true. And it's coming back to bite some people. But a lot of young people are responding differently and they're saying, no, I think an apprenticeship is a decent alternative, whether you're you know, working in a trade or learning from a professional in the space that you want to be in. That can be a great way oh, yeah. to go about building a career, right? And you can skip loads of college debt and the time it takes to go to college too and start earning a solid income earlier. And so it goes back to the question we've tackled on the show a few times, is college still a worthwhile pursuit? And the answer is always maybe, because it comes down to a value proposition, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the the Bureau of Labor Labor Statistics, they say that the average college graduate is going to earn a million dollars more over their lifetime than their high school grad equivalent. And, And folks with a college degree are 20% more likely to own a home and a massive amount of the new jobs that are being created are going to college educated folks. But we're also seeing the tide start to turn a little bit. And especially with how much a college education 
cost these days, it's not a slam dunk decision. And the unemployment rate is lower for folks who have a college education, a college degree as well. And so basically, if we enter into a recession, the folks, the the individuals with a college education are going to be impacted less severely. And so basically, at the end of the day, we're talking about college degree holders earning more money. They've got more job security and more opportunity as well. And all of these things sound like a lot of positives in our book. But again, we've also seen the cost of higher education skyrocket. I think I I saw an infographic recently. Tuition costs are 170% higher than they were 20 years ago. Like the only thing that has increased in cost more than education. Let me guess. Oh, you know. Healthcare. Healthcare, which was like over 200%. It's crazy. I mean, those are the top two things that have gone up. A lot of other things actually in our lives, we assume everything's gotten more expensive, but it's not true. Like TVs. I've gotten much more affordable. are more affordable. Yeah. But I mean, some folks in specific fields of study, when it comes to the, the degrees that they're pursuing, like they find it almost impossible to overcome the cost of their very, very expensive education. I'm thinking specifically in the fields of like psychology or if you got a religion degree <laughs> or if uh, like an art history degree. These are all things that are really difficult if in particular, if you went to a, like a private out of state college. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. We wanted to share this because while opting to go to college. That was rarely a bad decision. 30 years ago, there is a lot more number crunching that needs to happen before you make that decision these days. And the the story that we're referencing, they talked about how a lot of different companies, they're, they're highlighting the fact that there is a labor shortage. There just are not enough workers. And so many of them are essentially providing that on-the-job training. And what's so great about that is, I mean, you literally are earning a solid income right out of school, like right out of high school. Um, And what this made me think of was just being flexible with what jobs you might want to pursue or like what career path you want to take. It it makes me think of travel and the most affordable way to score like the cheapest airfare is to look for the deals, look for the opportunity, go to like, look for those deals, find that opportunity. Let the deal drive the destination. And then you convince yourself, you know, you don't convince yourself, but you're like, all right, what could we do when we were we to go to this country? And in a similar way, I think this is a bigger decision, obviously, obviously than just a vacation but see what kind of training they're going to be able to provide you. And you're essentially receiving a free education. Maybe that works out for a while. Maybe it doesn't. But during that period of time, you can then look to potentially other employers who might then be offering to cover the cost of a higher education, the, the cost of a, a bachelor's degree yeah. in that case. So and I, don't know, it, I think it just pays to be flexible and to consider everything should be open for consideration yeah. when it comes to comes to a job. Well, and the folks in, who are, end up in the worst position possible are the folks who went to college for a year or two or three but didn't end up getting that oh, degree. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people in that boat too. All who, the downside without any upside. Yeah, and and I think those are people who in, in many, to- many times were pushed into a college degree is the way it, you need to go. They've been indoctrinated when the reality is getting an apprenticeship or taking that entrepreneurial approach from an early age might have been better than racking up college debt without anything to show for mm-hmm. it. Which, on that note, Matt, let's talk about student loan debt for a second. How bad is it? It's really bad. It I think is. we've done that for yeah. a long time. Well, we're still at something like $1.7 trillion in outstanding student loan debt. But more than more than half of the folks in a recent survey said that their loan payments being paused are basically a necessity for them to be able to remain financially stable. That's a, a survey that came out from Credit Karma this week. And basically, what they're saying is when payments resume, I'm screwed, which to me is just uh it's hard to fathom that we've had payments paused for this long just basically a line item removed from people's budgets and folks are saying like i still now that's been gone for this long 
I don't know how I'm going to approach it mm-hmm. when that eventually does does come back into my life. People are just getting, they've gotten used to not having the payment. Yeah. And the longer exactly. we continue to go down this path, which could continue for many months to come, the harder it's going to be for these folks to face down that payment again. And so I get why people are saying this. I think what a lot of people are saying is like really like, I just don't want my student loan to resume, which I get. <laughs> like if, if, if I had that opportunity to, to not pay my mortgage or wave away a certain debt in my life, like I would... I would probably take it if I had some sort of magical ability, but I do want our listeners at least to prepare for the reality that student loans are going to resume at some point. Totally. It kind of makes me think of like the snooze button on an alarm. Yeah. Because you're thinking, oh, I could not ever wake up without a snooze button. Well, guess what? What if snooze buttons didn't exist? Well, you would just get up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like your alarm would go off and that would be your signal that it's time to wake up. Yeah. But because the snooze button exists, you, you know, we can't imagine life without it. It's, it's like Parkinson's law. Like you will take up all the time necessary or all the time that you are given in order to complete a job, right? It's like that, except for with money. And so we've just absorbed that those dollars that folks aren't putting towards their student loans and, and it is going towards their monthly expenses, right? Like maybe they only had $1,200 worth of expendable income before and now they've got 1500 and they're thinking... Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to spend right. that that extra three hundred bucks a month. Yeah, it's incredibly easy for us to justify our spending when we don't have other goals, and so that's sure. why it's so important for us to to have a plan. Because I mean, we don't obviously we don't want most folks with student loan debt right now paying that you know paying down their debt while this pause is in place. Like this is that's the policy currently, and we want you to be able to utilize the rules and the policy and the laws in order for you to get ahead the most with your money. But we do want you to use the dollars that you would be spending to make other personal finance progress, right? Like don't just absorb and incorporate those dollars into your spending. We want you to pay off those other debts. We want you to build up your savings uh, or even invest more of that money for your future. You've still got some time to, to get prepared for those payments to resume. We don't want you to waste this time versus being able to completely hit the ground running yeah. once those payments fire back up. Yeah. And again, we don't know when they're going to fire back up. We'll, that remains to be seen. We'll let you know kind of like as as that news comes out, as so, so much has to do with the Supreme Court decision right now on that partial loan forgiveness. But yeah, there are steps you can take to be to, to start getting prepared right now. The fact that half of people are like, I'd be up the creek without a paddle. That's just that's scary news. I, I hate seeing that. But let's talk about e-bikes, Matt, for a second. That's one of my favorite topics. E-bikes are awesome. I feel like we haven't talked about it in a while, but I saw no, we that- haven't talked about yeah e-bikes or traditional biking. Yeah. And eat trad bikes. I like both. <laughs> I like both. I'm a equal opportunity bike employer over here. I'm a trad guy, personally. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> well, I rode my trad bike today, but uh, Rivian, who makes a bunch of awesome electric trucks and SUVs, well, a couple, they uh, apparently want to electrify everything. And they announced that they're working on an e-bike which I thought was really cool. That's super cool. Although if they're priced anything like their trucks are, I probably <laughs> won't be able to afford it. They're probably going to be really expensive, but they're also going to look really cool, I'm sure. I'm yeah, I'm guessing they will. Actually, I saw that there's a chance that it's not an actual bicycle but a motorcycle. Oh, did, did really? you see that? So oh, man. which I could totally I can see myself getting on an e-motorcycle. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> if my wife would let me, I would. Wouldn't it be awesome if they decided to start making those uh, electric motorcycles in the plant or in the factory that's going to be opening up here in Atlanta? That would be awesome. Well, so I just, I guess I just want to push people, don't necessarily hold out for the Rivian e-bike. It might be a little too expensive, but a lot of other e-bikes are, are pretty inexpensive and they're going to save you a lot of money if it means you're going to be in your car less. And, and mm-hmm. uh, one of our listeners, he sent us an, an email about e-bikes in Denver and there's like government subsidies that have been put in place to spur adoption. And and Bloomberg, actually, they had an article about how successful that incentive program has been 
the subsidies are, are, are pretty big. It's like 400 bucks off a new regular e-bike and 900 bucks off a cargo e-bike, which just makes them ridiculously affordable if that's the case. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, if you're fi- buying like a fairly basic one, not one of the fancy soon-to-be uh, Rivian ones, you can probably snag it for like a few hundred bucks, which isn't bad. And if it gets you out there on the bike, if it gets you out there on the trails, it means more exercise. It also means using your car less. I think this is like a win-win-win. Yeah, and obviously it's, this is going to cost the city of Denver uh, a decent chunk of money over time. Uh, however, it could have a significant positive downstream effect. Uh, like it's not just that more folks are going to be getting the e-bikes, you know, who otherwise might not have, which is great. But the city just overall is experiencing a ripple effect of more bikes on the road. There's more advocacy happening uh, in order to create more bike lanes, which benefit all bikers out there. Uh, And so my guess is that this program is not only going to change how folks get around in the Mile High high City, but it's going to change the city itself for the better, right? Like not only is it going to, it's going to improve the quality of life for those who live there. They're going to be healthier. Those folks are going to be spending less money on the cost of transportation, but not to mention like this is a, this is a greener alternative than driving around in very heavy, expensive vehicles. Yeah. And some like, for instance, in California, some cities already have incentives as well, but I think the whole state of California is adopting uh, incentives to spur e-bike adoption as well they make cities better and they they make people healthier so the more we all get on our bikes i think it's a good thing all right let's quickly touch on uh, something else before the break here matt babysitting rates just came out uh, and they've apparently risen 10 percent over the past year babysitting ain't cheap i was like literally over at a friend's house the other day and they're they have a daughter she is in i want to say seventh grade and her mom was like oh yeah she'll babysit for 12 bucks an hour and she would correct her mom she's like nah it's 15 now and i was like oh my goodness like inflation is going up in a major way (laughs) even even for these young middle school makes me feel pretty good about the ten dollar per hour babysitter high schooler there you go who who we have you're getting a deal we we are because we also also tip pretty well because the national average apparently is 25 dollars per hour if you hire a babysitter for two kids you've got four so it's gonna be even more than that (laughs) and that just that just makes a a night out on the town prohibitively expensive and so i just wanted to share hey yeah this this sucks but we have a remedy that more more and more people should consider because you and i we don't have to use babysitters all that often but we still get out there on the town we still get date nights mm-hmm. with with our partner and it's because uh we do date night swaps and so you come over and watch my kids once a week i come over and watch your kids once a week we put them to bed already so it's like this 7 30 to 10 o'clock sort of time frame but i think it's perfect more and more people should consider this it's so good because it's tough to get out for three hours you're talking oh, 75 bucks plus the price of dinner or the show or whatever we want to go do it just it becomes i think more people avoid date nights because of how expensive they are and, and, and specifically how expensive babysitting is. So I just want to encourage people, you see these numbers, but there's a way to make sure you're not paying that much. Absolutely. And then when you aren't going out on these date nights, then your relationship suffers. Yeah. So yeah, the ability for for us to get out twice a month, for y'all to be able to get out twice a month, well worth you know, hopping over to y'all's place and sitting yeah. there and, and reading or watching some TV, uh, listening to a podcast, which is often, oftentimes what I'm doing as well. But uh, Joel, we've got several other stories that we're going to get to. Specifically, we're going to spend a minute talking about flexible spending accounts and how so many Americans are flushing money down the toilet. We're going to talk about how you can take advantage of that money that you have already set aside. We'll get to that, plus a few other stories right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned 
And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. All right, we're back. The Friday flight continues. Matt, you mentioned people flushing money down the toilet. Have you ever heard the song, Cat Flushing a Toilet? Oh, we've talked, we've talked about it. My kids love that song. It's terrible. <laughs> we talked I hate about it, but... <laughs> it was when we were talking about the, the, guy, the folks who make those songs and the royalties that they're oh, getting. Oh, yeah. Remember? I, I think that guy's crushing it. Yeah. Just based on how many times my kids have played that yeah. song. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that story about flushing money down the toilet in a second. But first, let's get to the ludicrous headline of the week. And this one comes from the Wall Street Journal. And the headline title was... The cameras worked fine. Their maker said they had reached the end of their life. And it makes me think of actually the ludicrous headline from a couple weeks ago, Matt, about HP Hewlett Packard remotely shutting down printers on their customers. And we're just living in this day and age where it feels like we don't fully own the things that we buy, which 
is tough to stomach. It sucks. Yeah. In, in this case, it was uh, camera company Arlo. They implemented an end-of-life policy for some of its cameras. End-of-life. That just feels like like what you do with your loved one who's aging and, I don't know, about to die. But they're doing this with cameras that work perfectly good. And so, and, and users were perfectly happy with the cameras and the way they were working. And some people had invested lots of money, like thousands and thousands of dollars, in buying these cameras and setting them up around their house or their place of work. And the, the whole point, by the way, for many customers was the no-fee cloud storage that came with these cameras and if they bought a this new is, one this is with arlo specifically yeah right? okay. they, they were gonna have to pay like a subscription fee where arlo had said oh no if you buy these ones this the seven day thing kind of comes mm-hmm. with it uh, fortunately arlo is back down thanks to customer backlash and they're going to be supporting these cameras for longer uh, and they've said that they're going to support all models for at least four years after discontinuation moving forward after they stop selling an item but man we continue to see stories about planned obsolescence and tech companies basically uh breaking your devices remotely i hate it is it's a terrible trend so like best case scenario it feels like a bait and switch right because you were sold a bill of goods yeah. and then it's like oh no actually this is this is what it includes worst case scenario is that it kind of feels like gaslighting taking something like oh no you think you own this item oh but in fact isn't that adorable? Uh, you, <laughs> you can't do what you want with that item that you think you can it's like consumer gaslighting like they're rewriting history a little bit and trying to make eh, sort of making us feel like that we're going crazy and i think it's healthy mugatu style (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, but i do think it's good to think about it that way because i think that is when folks are going to get a little more up in arms like i think we need to take like literally more ownership of the devices that we're purchasing and realizing that we can have an impact on the different companies and manufacturers that we're purchasing from uh it shows that making your voice heard you know complaining to that company or you know using persuasion Asian tactics on social media, those can all have an impact. Like send an email to the Wall Street Journal, let them know if there's a company out there that is behaving poorly. Mm-hmm. But you know, we really are living in a like a brave new world of connected devices. And so it is important to look at how the manufacturers are going to handle the support for their older devices. Uh, so for instance, Apple, they typically offer uh, a little bit longer support than Google does for their phones. So keep that in mind if you're trying to you know weigh the pros and cons between buying perhaps a more affordable Droid device versus maybe a, a little bit more expensive iPhone. Yeah, you and I were just talking about that before the show, before Literally, we started recording. Yeah. Like, hey, my phone was a lot cheaper than yours, but then again, your phone's going to be supported longer, and so in the, I might be hanging on. Like, in, in the long phone, run, it might be a wash. Yeah. So I've got my iPhone 13 Pro or whatever. I think it's about a year and a half. Like it still feels brand new to me, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to continue using that device for for years down the road. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind, too, is that I think consumers would have been more okay with this in the past as devices needed improving faster, right? Like think about the first webcams or Wi-Fi connected cameras that we used to use with with our oldest kids when they were babies. Like the video on those things were was terrible. Uh, Same thing with phones. The early cameras were awful. Screen resolution, terrible. Battery life, horrendous. But now improvements are incremental at best. It's incremental. And so there isn't a need to upgrade these devices. And because of that, I think hopefully we can unite our voices and, and, and let our complaints be known and to simply let companies know that we want to be able to use our devices for longer than maybe they were originally planning on supporting yeah. it for. But bottom line, planned obsolescence is becoming harder to avoid. Uh, but it's important to fight back uh, wherever and however it is that you can. Yeah, and it sounds like it worked in this case, and I hope it continues to work. You just kind of kind of say, no, 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 we're not taking this. This thing works perfectly fine. Don't rip away from me something that 
I bought four. I bought fair and square that is still working properly. Yeah. All right. Let's talk totally about agree. finding a new savings account, Matt. And this is something we talk about regularly, but this is more of a warning actually about how to avoid crappy banks. And I'm not even just talking about the big banks that we kind of rake over the coals all the time. Yeah. We got, is, we got new crappy banks to, yeah. <laughs> to dump on. Exactly. And so of course, like rates on savings have been going up, which is a great thing. We've been documenting that regularly. And we've always said switching to a better bank uh, so that your savings isn't earning next to nothing is a good route to take that you should probably go with one of the online banks that is paying somewhere in the neighborhood of four percent versus the big bank that's paying 0.02 percent or something like that just a massive chasm between the rates that are being offered but here's the thing you've got to be careful when you're switching which bank are you switching to and there's a bank called compound bank bank spelled with a, a c which sounds like Ooh. swiss or something <laughs> that's, that's, that's what i think yeah fancy i'm like oh i better put my monocle on and sign up for that bank account <laughs> well they uh, say on their website they're offering a seven percent rate of return on savings they actually sent a, uh, sent us an email this week matt to tell us about this offering and we were like okay that seems outside of what mm-hmm. the market is offering. This seems like there's something might be wrong with that. And so we, we looked into it a little more. And and sadly, this bank is offering a, a return this high because you're actually investing in real estate bonds. It's not sitting there in a traditional style savings account. And according to the SEC filing, this kind of account comes with a quote unquote high degree of risk. So yeah, when you're switching to online banks, there are a lot of online banks. Not all of them are created equal and some of them are doing risky things with your money, putting that capital at risk and you've got to be careful. And so Compound Bank, we would say, is not one of the banks you should be going with. Yeah, and it's it's okay to go with uh, a bond fund if you're looking to potentially invest your money, but yeah. not I mean the the problem here like the sleight of hand that's taking place is that they're they're comparing their the rate and what they're offering. Like they're saying it's 125 times better than the national average. Yeah. Well, the national average of what? Well, it's not high yield savings accounts. It's uh checking accounts. And so, like, that's not even fair. Like, you're comparing apples to oranges. And so that's certainly something to keep an eye out for. And in addition, Compound Bank, they're not even insured by the FDIC because, again, it's not a a savings, actual savings product. And so we definitely want you to score a higher rate on your savings, but only if you're doing business with a bank that is FDIC insured, that isn't running an extremely risky real estate lending scheme. It makes me think back to stable coins. Those were so incredibly hot. Well, that's because they were offering something like eight to nine percent just by saving your money and everybody was like "Ooh, i want in on this uh, like why wouldn't you do that well and it, it felt like we were raining on people's parade because they were like i want to go get that eight to nine percent and we were like that's a dumb idea you should yeah. avoid it yeah and hopefully everyone learned their lesson because a lot of those companies went belly up so if the interest rate on some of the different offers that you that you're seeing out there is that much higher than than some of the the solid online savings accounts uh, and you've never heard of them before make sure that you perform your due diligence first because the truth is that the best banks right now are they're somewhere in like the 4% range. CIT, they are consistently near the top and they're currently sitting at 4.05%. Yeah, so if you see something... Allies like 3.4, but everybody's in that 35 to 4% yeah. range. The best ones are. Exactly. So someone's like, I'll pay you eight. You're like, okay, what, do you, what in the world are you doing to try to juice that return? Because... Know that there's a catch. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's not legit. It's not insured by the FDIC. Like, could you make money in this account for a time? Maybe. But are you putting that savings at risk? Yes. And there's a reason we talk about not investing your savings. This is the money you want to have on hand, right? I want you. We want you investing um, in your tax advantage accounts, but we don't want you investing with money that's supposed to be savings. Exactly. So, all right. Let's talk about while we're talking about rates, Matt. Let's talk about home equity lines of credit, and and a lot more homeowners are tapping the equity that they built up in their homes. And so, if you've owned a home for a few years now, you, you likely have a decent. Ch- 
chunk of equity dollars that you could draw upon and opt to do something with. And I think some people see that and they're like, okay, it's time to do something because I've built up $100,000 worth of equity. I can't just let it sit there, right? Can I? Well, yes, you can, and you probably should, because uh, home equity withdrawals are up close to 47% over the past year. A lot more people are tapping these uh, their, their lines of equity in order to grab some of that cash. But interest rates are up a good bit too, which makes that withdrawal a lot more costly. So we would say, you know, t- taking out a moderate amount of home equity, it can make sense in certain cases, like reasonably renovating, making some changes to the house. But weigh the pros and cons before you do. And knowing what your timeline is going to be to pay that debt off is a crucial place to start. Because if we're talking about eight or nine or 10 years to pay off that home equity line of credit, that's too long. Uh, If we're talking about just a few years to pay that back, that's a different scenario. And so uh, we're actually going to talk about the value of debt in building wealth on Monday. We're not completely against all forms of debt. Well, we're going to do that with a guy who has written multiple books on the subject. So I'm looking forward to that combo. That's right. Yeah. You can look forward to that episode here after the weekend. Uh, Joel, I saw a stat this weekend that caused a pit to form in my stomach. Uh, It turns out that workers are losing billions of their own dollars that they could have used for healthcare expenses uh, because they forgot to use their FSA money, their flexible spending account money, money set aside for for health expenses. And that's especially demoralizing when we were just talking about how the rising cost of healthcare, how that's nothing has increased more than that. Uh, The Employee Benefit Research Institute, they released some data this week, uh, and it turns out that 48% of folks who stuck some of their pre-tax dollars uh, from their employer into an FSA lost at least some of those dollars. So that's almost half of the folks who have an account, and the average amount lost was over $400. It was $408. That is that's not chump change. <laughs> and that means that each year, Americans combined are losing somewhere between three and four billion dollars total. So is the takeaway that you should completely avoid an F- FSA if it's offered by your employer? Well, no, I think FSAs can make a lot of sense, but it does mean that you've got to be careful and you need to make sure that you are, that, that is just not something you're forgetting about. Because yeah. I think sometimes it can be a benefit that's offered and you're like, oh, sweet, I got that there when the time comes. And when the time comes, uh, you forget about it. That's exactly right. I mean, I like to avoid taxation on money that I'm getting paid whenever and wherever I can. And FSAs allow you to do that on money that you're going to spend for dependent care or for health care. But here's the thing, you got to use it or lose it. It's use it the year of or it's gone. Typically, there's a grace period and some of those dollars, at least a percentage of them can roll over until March of next year, uh, which is coming up. That deadline's coming up soon. So you might have FSA dollars from 2022 that you can still use, but not for much longer. And so if you do, it's this is like kind of a, a warning. Make mm-hmm. sure to go in there, make sure you're using that money. And if you don't have some sort of like dermatologist visit or expensive surgery coming up, that's okay. There are other ways that you can at least make sure that you're using this money. It can be spent on FSA eligible items. We'll link to a couple of places in the show notes where you can kind of see what items are eligible to be spent on FSA money. And the Amazon even has like a a dedicated FSA store. So if you're like, oh, I've got 400 bucks, (laughs) like the average person that's uh, just literally about to vaporize, then we would say, you know, go to that Amazon FSA store, spend that money on things that are eligible just so that you're getting something, some sort of return for your money. And then next time, your next open enrollment, you might want to consider allocating less money to it just to make sure that you're using all the money you stick aside. Like it stinks to uh, be taxed on money that you did spend on healthcare when you could have avoided it. But what's worse, I would say, is losing that money completely. flushing that money down the toilet. Yeah, Yeah, and this is an argument for budgeting or at least tracking your expenses because I think a lot of folks are going to hear you say that and they're they're thinking, well, I don't know, like how the heck am I supposed to know 
know how much I spent on, on healthcare last year. Well, guess what? If you tracked your expenses, you could, like if you were to ask me right now, Matt, how much did you spend on healthcare last year? I've got no clue, yeah. but I could take 30 seconds and look at my spreadsheet yeah. from last year and be like, blah, 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 and just punch that in. And so I don't know, I'm just making an argument for at the very least tracking your expenses. Well, and planning ahead too, because you can say, hey, listen, this is how much I spent last year, but I know that I'm going to need new glasses. I know I'm going to need this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, I'm, I'm likely to spend more actually this coming year. And so you can allocate another, you know, four or $500 based on the healthcare procedures you plan on. And obviously you can't plan for everything, but don't stick too much money in your FSA to where some of it's just going to go completely kaput. That's right, man. But before we wrap up this episode, we've got our newsletter referral shout out to take care of here. And this past week, Daniel B., he referred our newsletter out to at least three of his friends. I think I saw that a couple more of his friends. Which means Daniel, be the man. <laughs> uh, but just a reminder, if you have not yet signed up for the newsletter, head to howtomoney.com forward slash newsletter. Every Tuesday morning, we send out an incredible newsletter centered around your personal finances. Uh, we cover a lot of the, the great stories that you need to make sure that you're not missing. And built into that newsletter is a trackable referral program. And when you refer some friends, you are able to earn some different rewards. So like that's either a shout out like we are doing right now, a beer on us, the coveted how to money socks. And I'll say as well, I noticed that there are a lot of folks that have one or two referrals. So I just want to encourage all you folks out there who are so close to hitting that that first tier, that first reward. Uh, And by the way, Joel, happy birthday. Oh, this thanks, is uh, yeah. it is your birthday today, and I'll say that I'm pretty sure all Joel wants for his birthday is more folks to sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make my birthday a good one, and do what you're supposed to do by signing up for that newsletter. But yeah, no, it's gonna be good. I'm like honestly, my mother-in-law she asked me like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I was like, literally just to be with people I care about, like <laughs> to hang out with friends and stuff, which I'm gonna get to do Aww. tonight. You can drink some beers with some pals I haven't seen in a minute, and play some disc golf this weekend with you and some other dudes. So yeah. it's like that's that to me is what makes me happy. Who I don't need more stuff. So. There you go. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, edition of the Friday Flight. Uh, For this episode, Matt, we'll be back here on Monday with that fun conversation about using debt to your advantage when it comes to building wealth. But until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday, my newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, 
I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.